Blog Talk Radio. Another awesomely exciting, fun episode of Stunt Tracks with yours truly, Uncle Jim, and then the one and only Leslie Hoffman. How you doing tonight, Leslie? Oh, we're doing okay. Uh, the weather up here sounds like about I'm about to hit a starter song. The weather up here is frightful. <laughs> it's, it's like no, it a bit delightful. And it snows, and it melts, and it snows, and it melts. And then I was just reading, uh, I don't think it's going to hit up here. I don't know if you're going to get it, though, is uh, they're expecting a northeastern. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Normally, those things dump all over you. Yeah, no, uh, they showed a map, and, and, and it's... It's not going to reach, uh, you know, northern northern New York. I mean, it might it might go as high as Albany, but at least by the map right now, um, you know, it might snow a little, but but it doesn't look like it's going to snow a lot. Well, but, it has been bitter area, cold here, here in Vermont. It has been cold. How, how about up in Saranac? Actually, I guess you're beating us, uh, or or I can't say it's really been bitter cold. I mean, um, it well, that's what I keep saying. <laughs> the, it snows. I mean, for a little while we had about four inches of snow on the ground, which isn't that much, but but it's it's all melted. The outs, uh, outside right now is grass. Wow. That's unusual. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's unusual. I hope. I hope that that as we get into the new year, that the weather isn't going to make up for what it's not doing right now. <laughs> yeah, less than two weeks away from Christmas, and uh, we're still hoping for a white Christmas. We'll see. Yeah. Well, that's, we'll see. I think I I might have said it before. You know, we've had 
brown Halloweens, white Halloweens, brown Thanksgiving, white Thanksgivings, brown Christmases, white Christmases. It, 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 there is no normal pattern for up here. You never can tell. Is unnormal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a we have a fun show planned for you guys tonight. Uh, Leslie and I, as usual, we're going to start off the show. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery Episode Nine, Terra Firma Part One. We're going to find out what Leslie thought about our latest visit to the Mirror Universe, and then during our second half, we're going to be talking about our favorite rivals. On Star Trek, who do we think are the are the best rivals for our intrepid Starfleet crews? So you want to stay tuned for that. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you want to give us a call, if you're listening to us live Sunday night right now from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can call 646-668-2433. And get live on the air with us. If you're listening on Odyssey Radio or Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, you'll have to come come and join us on Sunday night from 7 to 8 uh, Eastern Standard Time. And that way you can call 646-668-2433 and uh, chat with us live on the air. We would love to hear from you. So, Leslie... A little funny little story. We usually find a way to squeeze Planet of the Apes into the show. So I'm going to get our Planet of the Apes fix out of the way right now. How does that sound? <laughs> oh, except that except that uh, one of my favorite rivals is Khan, and, and Ricardo Montalban was in one of the uh, Planet of the Apes sequel. But <laughs> go ahead. This is this is true. <laughs> We can so double, we can and double I were, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> there you, yeah, we can do that. Jamie and I were out Christmas shopping for Karen, and we go into this into this little um, antique store here in Rutland, and hanging on the wall is a 1974 poster, an eight by eight by ten framed picture from Planet of the Apes with uh, Cornelius. Sierra and his nephew. Uh, what was his nephew's name? The young, the young uh, kid chimpanzee. It, I think it's something like Lucas, or it's an L. Yeah, the three of them. And it was a framed family portrait of the three of them. And I said, "Wow, I got to tell Leslie about that. I might go back and buy it if they still have it after Christmas." <laughs> so. Wow, but but you said something that <laughs> it makes us all feel old. Is you said you found it in an antique shop. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah of all the places. now an antique. It's it is it is indeed. So, anyways, Leslie, let's dive right in and talk a little bit about Star Trek Discovery. So, Terra Firma Part One has Emperor Giorgio. Breaking down her, her molecular structure is breaking down because not only did she travel 900 years in the future, but she jumped universes, and the prime universe and the mirror universe are now farther apart than they were before, which is causing her her uh, 
molecules to break down, which will result in a very painful death. So they try to find a cure for her, and the discovery merged with the seer data back from in, uh, season two, and they were able to find out from the computer, from all the databases that they collected through, through the sphere, that there was a cure. And this cure was found on Deneb, well, not Deneb 5, uh, Denolius 5 or something like that. And they decide that they're going to jump to this location and they're going to bring Giorgio there and find the cure for her. There's only a 5% chance that this cure will work but they decide to go. And that's pretty much the A plot. Now, the B plot is that they found the message at the center of the nebula where the burn began, and it turned out to be a Kelpian, a Federation Kelpian starship because the Kelpians joined the Federation in the 900 years since we last saw them. And they're now a member of the Federation. And there's a Kelpian ship that is sending out this distress signal that's on a loop from the center of this nebula where the burn started. And so that's the A and B plot. And then we, we kind of, we, we touch on the C plot a little bit that we touched on last week. And, and that is that um, Adira Paul still isn't able to talk to gray. He's still on the missing list and uh, she's missing him and talks to Stamets about, you know, how she doesn't care that he's gone, but we kind of know that she does. And um, so those are those are the three plots that we have going on in this particular episode. The biggest one, of course, being Emperor Giorgio. So they go to this planet, and mm. on the planet, they find a dude sitting in an Adirondack chair named Carl. And Carl... Carl has a adorable doorway uh, that may hold the cure for Giorgio. So Giorgio uh, enters, goes through the door, and when she comes out the other side, she's one. She's nine hundred years in the past where she came from. But not only that, she's jumped back to the mirror universe, and she's a year before we first see the mirror universe in season one of discovery. So everything that we're seeing in the mirror universe is stuff that happened prior to the first time we meet Giorgio in discovery. In other words, she has an opportunity to go back in time and change things and maybe make things different for herself in the prime universe. And that's where the story picks up. So, uh, Leslie, what did you think about this week's episode? Actually, um, (laughs) you just explained more to me than what I got out of the episode. I, um, and, and I'll just say, people got to be very careful with stories that have time travel because if she does change the past, if she does change the beginning of season one or pre-season one, then maybe they never would have had to jump 900 years into the future. I mean, you know, I, 
and um, it's or 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 if you take the uh, Back to the Future and the sequels, the whole thing about you know if you start changing the past, it's going to change the future, and uh, I mean it. <laughs> How how do I say it? it was it was interesting to watch, but they have me so confused at the moment that that I uh, I I really I've 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 lost um you know what's happening in the different storylines. I I feel like last week I said there were too many storylines. I mean I feel like they were at least five storylines and and how are they going to um tie them or bring them to an end or do they purposely want to bring it into season 4 um i don't know i just um <laughs> and another thing is uh i didn't know that Cirque du Soleil lasted so long <laughs> you know the uh dance that they put on and and they're coming down the uh the 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 strands of fabric like I say it reminds me of Cirque du Soleil I mean I I I I honestly got to admit is that this they they've gotten to a point that it's so confusing I don't know how they're going to do uh, book and Michael, how they're going to do. Uh, I forgot the um, uh, Tilly slash Mary's husband. How they're going to end that story now? You know, it, 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 it. There's just too to me, and 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 I'll I'll be the first to admit that I I do have a. Uh, a short-term memory problem, and and there's just too many things now to try to remember, or what's going to happen here, or what's going to happen there. Or, I mean, I don't remember, I don't remember Tilly being uh, in the parallel universe in whatever season one or season two. Oh yeah, she was there. She was Captain Killy. What? Same character she is tonight, or in last week's episode. Okay, I. Yeah, um, but the, but that's sort of what I'm saying is I'm I'm starting to get very very lost. Um, uh, also, it seems like nobody ever dies in this series. <laughs> well, I mean... Sam, has, Sam has died. <laughs> Sam has died twice. Well, they die, but they come back. <laughs> well, don't forget, this is a this is a time travel thing. So Dorjo went back in time before uh, Lorca killed Stamets in season one. So this time she killed him. So she's already changed the future, and she didn't kill Michael this time. So she changed the future, possibly changed the future twice already. So we we don't know how that's going to affect. But let's talk about Carl. A lot of the, a lot of the fan uh, theories are that Carl 
is actually the guardian of forever. And the reason why people say that is the newspaper that Carl is reading is the exact same newspaper that Spock scanned when he was scanning the Guardian of Forever that had the story about Edith Keeler dying uh, in a car accident. So people are saying that Carl is actually a future version of the Guardian of Forever that has that has become sentient, kind of like the Discovery's computer. What do you think about that theory? Hmm, that's kind of interesting. Um, of, I mean, if you were to combine him with the door, then he'll be the circular rock that uh, Bones jumped through. That's what they're saying. Uh, maybe. We don't know. Remember, they have that programmable matter now that can take the shape of anything at any time. And time travel has been outlawed due to the temporal accords. So, you know, maybe this is the guardian and he's hiding out on this ice planet and he's become sentient now. We we don't, nobody knows, but that's a theory. We'll have to wait and find out. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see. And we always knew, we always knew that they had to get Giorgio back where she came from because of her section 31 show with Ash Tyler that she's supposed to be working on next year. She had to go back in time somehow. So this was a clever unexpected way to get her back 900 years so that she could be on the section 31 show with Ash Tyler. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that works out. Well, then so speaking from, I'll say a production point of view. Do you think this is Giorgio getting off of Discovery Show so she can be on the other spinoff then? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had to. Everybody, they always said from day one that Section 31 would not happen until after Season 3 of Discovery. We didn't know at the time that Discovery was going to go 900 years in the future. So when they did, everyone knew the only way that could happen is for Giorgio to somehow get off Discovery and go back 900 years. And she did. So now she's back where we first meet her, but she's still in the Mirror Universe. And also the character, I don't know if you noticed or not, but the Giorgio that we see in the Mirror Universe is a reformed Giorgio from the Giorgio that we first met as the Emperor. Oh, yeah. No, I think, I, well, I caught that from um, uh, 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 what Michael, what Saru said is that um, I can't, I've lost the word that I want to say is that she has more feeling. I forget how they, what sentence they said it in. Is that they they definitely said that she's not just the, you know, cold-hearted, kill everybody emperor now. Now she seems to have feelings, or 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 like you know when when they're ready to kill. Saru, you know, she she takes him back as her slave so he doesn't get killed. And 
yeah. and uh, yeah. and Michael gets mad, uh, or parallel universe, or all whatever you want to call a universe, Michael finds that as a weakness now, as opposed to the cold-hearted uh, Empress Giorgio. Now, the thing that I'm interested in the most is um, Jacek Isaacs has been teasing for well over a year, a year and a half now, that he'd be back on Star Trek. Now, the fact that they went 900 years back and actually went 900, they went a year further than they were before, um, will we see Lorca again? And if we do... Is there a chance that we could actually see the Prime Lorca and the Prime Lorca and, and, and Giorgio escape from the alternate universe back to the Prime Universe, and that's how we get Section 31? Is that a possibility? Right, and that's what I'm saying about you got to be so careful with time travel is that if they go back 900-plus years, suddenly everybody's alive again. And yeah, we're because... back to the Red Angel, and we're back, to, you know, we're back to all these different things. It's, it, I mean, this this is a weird comparison, uh, but but it's almost. I don't remember what season number was it was, but I think it, it with in Dynasty when when uh, um, Patrick Duffy decided that he wasn't going to be on the show anymore, and then he decided he was going to be on the show. So whatever season before where they had all these things going on, suddenly, I forget her name, I don't know if it was Victoria Principal or whoever wakes up, and and Patrick Duffy is taking a shower or, or he's in the shower. So that means the whole season before never really happened. It was a dream. Well, uh, there was a book called Drastic Measures that Dayton Ward wrote, which we, we read and reviewed on the book. It was a great book, and it was all about Lorca going back to um, the conscience of a king with, with Kodos. And he had to investigate that murder that on that planet. And he meets the young Lieutenant Giorgio, and they have a whole adventure together. It was a great book. At the end of the book, when the book is all over, there's an extra chapter at the end of the book. And at the end of the book, this chapter out of nowhere has Lorca being captured and held prisoner by some unnamed bad guy. And he wakes up in this cell that's clearly not a Federation cell. And there he is. And we asked Dayton Ward about that. You know, is that the mirror universe? And Dayton Ward told us that when he wrote the book and he got all done with it, the people at Discovery said, hey, great, great. But but we need you to do one thing for us. We love the book. We love the story. But you need to put this extra chapter into to, to say that Lorca's not dead, that he's alive, and he's someplace else. So he had to add that extra chapter in. I'm wondering if they added that extra chapter in because he's not dead and that he actually is being held captive in the mirror universe. That's what I'm thinking. So we'll have to wait and see. Interesting. Very, very interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe what they're doing, as you said, is setting it up that that they can get Giorgio, you know, off on on the spinoff. But but I, I like I say, I really wish that you know they'd finish a storyline with book. Uh, I um. Again, well, I've said this the last couple of weeks. I don't trust the admiral. I don't trust the guy with the glasses. And is is that going to have an ending in this season, or or I mean, are we going to find out whether those two guys are good guys or bad guys? Or <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Well, listen. We have to take a commercial break. We've already been a half an hour already. And our listeners over at Odyssey Radio, you have to stay tuned. But for the rest of our listeners, uh, just hang out for a minute. We're going to hear a quick promo. And when we come back, Leslie and I are going to be talking about our favorite rivals on Star Trek. Don't touch that dial. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday nights, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. So we just finished talking a little bit about Star Trek Discovery, Episode 9, Terra Firma, Part 1. And now we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite, favorite adversaries. Well, not adversaries, but um, rivals on on Star Trek. And we're going to start off with probably one of our first ones. Is, wait, what's this? What? What? You left her my room for all eternity in the center of the day. Yes, if we're going to talk rivals, we have to talk Khan, right, Leslie? Yep. Um, I I think the most impressive one is Khan, is Ricardo Montalban. I mean, I think Space Seed was in season one. I I didn't look it up, but... In the original Star Seed, Ricardo Montalban portrayed this this powerful, uh, genetically altered uh, person. Uh, I, I think they called it the Eugenic Wars or whatever. I forget. There a lot of what they called supermen, but but Khan was like the ultimate leader, but. That from a sixty-minute episode, and and that's not mine. You know, you minus uh, whatever time it takes for the commercials. So in less than sixty minutes, Ricardo Montalban played this character so well that Paramount's second movie was Star Trek: Wrath, The Wrath of Khan, and um, I mean, to me, the basic storyline. 
is uh, Khan is out. Well, the end of the episode of Space Seed was uh, he had fallen in love with one of the Star uh, the Enterprise uh, Starfleet uh, Lieutenant Marla McGivers, and and they send them down to to a planet instead of locking Khan up somewhere. They decide that they're going to send him down to this barbaric planet that that he can fight the uh, the the people that are on the planet and and she goes with them. But uh, what we learn in the movie is that a neighboring planet exploded and and it affected the atmosphere of the planet that they were on causing deaths, and one of them was his wife, was this Marla MacGyver's. So for some reason, Con, well, Khan is blaming Kirk for this, and and that's, to me, that's what Wrath of Khan is about, is he's getting even with Kirk for for sending him down to the planet, which kind of doesn't make any sense since he chose his own uh, um, punishment or whatever you want to call I mean, like you say, I think if you go back and you watch Space Seed, again, the choice was he could go to prison forever or or he could be sent down to this planet that, you know, he could try to survive on, and he chose the planet. Um and Leslie, and I think I that one of the strongest points of the episode, I think, is Ricardo Montalban, they were going to recast him for the movie because they thought he was too old to play that part. And they tried recasting him, and then they, and they were actually going to have a little clip at the beginning of the movie with the new actor to show that this was a, was the same character with a different actor. And then they decided they would go with Ricardo and have him reprise the role himself. And I think that speaks to the, to the acting chops of Ricardo Montalban himself that they, that they decided, I think that the movie could have been a disaster if they went with somebody other than him. Yeah, no, actually, I didn't know that part of it. No, Ricardo can hold his own, and and probably right to the end, this guy was built. I mean, you know, I I knew Ricardo Montalban in person, or I saw him in person. I mean, this guy, I don't care how old he was, he was physically fit, he was... Uh, speaking as a woman, he was just gorgeous. He's one of these gorgeous men, no matter how old he got. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, was... even on Fantasy Fantasy Island, he, you know, he just he didn't have to prove that he had muscles or anything, but but he's just a handsome gentleman, or in this case, oh. a really handsome villain. Or, or nemesis or uh, rival. So let's let's jump to a show that you were on. Let's jump to Deep Space Nine. I think one of the one of the best rivals that they ever created for Star Trek was Goldie Cott on Deep Space Nine. Well, actually, 
maybe that's the, that is the best thing to jump to next because because to me Goldicott is sort of like a con. Um, uh, Mark Alamo is is such a fantastic actor, and well, and obviously good script writing helps too. But um, I mean. When he talked or or he had his his speeches, you would follow this guy anywhere. I mean, <laughs> there was just something about Goldicott. Um, I, again, uh, I, uh, I, it, I'm glad you did jump to 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 Goldicott because, again, he's he's one of these people that he needs to be the leader. I mean, I, that that could be good or bad. I mean, uh, obviously, he hurt a lot of people along the way, and and the world doesn't need uh, an ultimate uh, emperor of the world or anything like that. I mean, or you know, love me or I'll kill you. <laughs> but. Uh, Yet, yet there were some episodes of Deep Space Nine where where Goldicott was actually helping the Federation, but but again, ultimately, ultimately it was to help him help his himself, uh, you know, to to stay in power. You know, the trade yeah. the trade off in helping was that he still maintained or was able to keep going after. Uh, like I say, being the leader. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes an interesting villain slash rival is that he wasn't always a bad guy. He was he was there for himself, and if his goals lined up with yours, he'd be more than happy to help you. But if they didn't, he would just as easily stab you in the back. Whatever was best for him at any given moment. But the character starts out when we first see him as a Cardassian captain, and he's a he's a bad guy. He he gets in a quarrel with Cisco right off the bat, right in the first episode, and he comes back again and again and again and again and again through the course of Deep Space Nine. And sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes he's a bad guy, sometimes we don't know where his alliances lie. But like you said, at the end. He's there for himself, and he he proves that because he becomes a pirate at the end and tries to kill Cisco. And the prophets intervene, and poor Gul Dukat is left burning in the in the fire caves of Bajor, and uh, Cisco becomes a, a prophet. I think that's where he he ended up in the wormhole with the prophets. So Gul Dukat right. is a very interesting character. Very yeah. interesting. And and then this is just an inside thing is that uh, when we were filming, I don't know if it was the second to last episode or the last episode where where they're throwing punches, Cisco and, and Goldicott, uh, it was very, very late at night and and uh, they were like on jagged. Well, I don't want to say jagged rocks, but but multi-level pl- 
platforms of rocks. I don't know what you you call it, like steps almost, but rock. And and unfortunately, it was multiple takes, and and you always get it on multiple takes. Is when they say one more for camera, that's usually when something goes wrong. Um, Mark Alamo leaned in when he shouldn't have, and uh, Avery Brooks threw a punch, and he and he hit he hit Mark square in the nose, broke his nose. And they had to well, take him off. Well, you probably couldn't tell under all that under all that makeup, yeah. anyways, right? <laughs> Whoops! I oh, blood was coming out even through the. Well, I mean, obviously you can still breathe with that makeup on, but but his nose was bleeding, and they're ripping they're ripping the the Cardassian. Uh, uh, prosthetics off of his face, and it must have been interesting to bring him to the bring an alien to a hospital. <laughs> now, let's not forget though that while all of this is going on, another one of the most hated characters on Deep Space Nine was there as well, and that was Kai Wynn, who was played by um. Oh God, her name escapes me right now. Well, that's interesting because now, see, Who? I don't. Who Kai to Wynn? me, Kai Wynn was always her. Well, maybe it is the same thing. Maybe it is looking for ultimate power. You know, she wanted to be the leader of uh, Bejar. Uh, at least religiously. I don't know if it also meant uh, politically. Uh, and and she would do anything. I find her more evil than I find Goldacott as evil. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, she was willing to sacrifice Goldacott for her own, for her own power. Didn't quite work out too well for her. Uh, yeah, it's just it's funny that both of them were in the same place at the same time. So let's jump to um, let's jump to TNG, and I think one of the biggest rivals on TNG has to be Q, played by the awesome John Delancey, and um, yeah. Well, yeah. Again. <laughs> Again, again, you have such a uh, great actor. Q is such a pain in the neck, <laughs> putting it nicely, putting it lovingly, that that Q appeared in The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. I don't think there's any other character. Like I say, uh, um, Khan was in... The original series and in the movie, but Q made it through three different series. I mean, that's how much. <laughs> I guess. Well, I guess technically, though, loved, loved Q on, and he wasn't. To me, he wasn't evil. He just, he just loved to toy with people. I mean, don't you forget, know, Leslie. He, you, you you forgot one thing. He also was on Lower Decks, the animated series. Oh, okay. I didn't. 
Uh, I guess I missed that in the 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 first animated series. No, he was on. Or, he was he in was Star Trek Lower Decks. Deck. Oh, yeah. I guess I already forgot that he was. Yeah, we can. You can send me uh, uh, the episode and 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 I'll I'll look at that one again uh, after the show. But uh, I didn't realize that I already forgot that he was on Lower Deck. No, he's Q is such a like I say, he's such a pain. <laughs> that again, he's he's someone that that. Uh, I don't know if you can even hate him. I mean, he just he just loves screwing around with people. I think that Q, everybody loves Q, and everybody loves John Delancey, and I and people want to see him show up on Star Trek Picard. You know, you think that because they, yeah, and that's they just I don't love know. him with the COVID virus. Uh, Los Angeles is still spinning their wheels. They're they're filming a few shows, but but they're they're nowhere back to. Uh, well, I don't want to say nothing is going to be normal again, but but you know they're they're only doing a few shows. They're they're not. Uh, they're really not filming in Los Angeles at the moment. To, I mean, to really speak of. I mean, Canada seems to be uh, going. Um, the European countries are going, but Los Angeles. Well, actually, I take that back. Massachusetts, uh, New Mexico, anything except Los Angeles or Hollywood. Just Hollywood is is less than a snail's pace. They they are so far behind. Um, things being filmed. Well, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 is is well underway up in Toronto. And Strange New Worlds just started a pre-production up in Toronto as well. So Strange New Worlds is, is currently, they're building sets and, and working on that. Discovery Season 4, they've already started filming it. So yeah, Toronto is, is up and running. Picard, we still don't know anything because they're filming that in Hollywood, unfortunately. Right. And I don't know if that's because Patrick Stewart doesn't want to go up to to Canada, or I mean, I don't know that if that's what's stopping it, or but they they just again they just aren't filming much of anything in Los Angeles. Well, Leslie, let's jump. Let's let's talk about Voyager. Who was the biggest rival of Janeway on Voyager? I I would have to say Q. As well. Yeah, well, that um, like I say, it's it's amazing that this one character spans across Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. I mean, I I find. Uh, I love Susie Patankin as as um, Worf's girlfriend slash mother of his child in uh, the Next Generation, but but she plays a Q in Voyager. It's when <laughs> it was when uh, yeah. Q wanted 
to have a child, and he decides that he wants the ch- he, the child or Janeway to be the mother. But then Q, Q as in Susie Plankton, is jealous of that John Delancey wants to have a child with Janeway. I mean, it's to me, it's a it's an interesting or funny or well, again, it's 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 Q or the whole continuum continuum. I can't speak anymore. It's a whole group of cues just messing with the rest of the universe. Yeah, because I don't really think that that Voyager had an arch rival. Nothing that comes to my mind right off the bat. The board, Um, maybe? Maybe the board? Well, now I'm getting confused. It was the was it the Herosians or was that Deep Space Nine? Nope, that was Voyager. Yep. Okay, yeah, because because they're trying to go back to Earth, they're they're traveling at warp speed. So, um, I mean, you had the Borg. I mean, yep. you know, they it wasn't like they were sticking around and and dealing with the same species species each week. I mean, so so no, they're they're. It isn't like there's, like I say, other than Q or, or again, I don't know if there was a specific erosion or a specific Borg. I mean, well, Borg is is a group of people. I mean, unless you're going to say the Queen Borg, but uh, um, no, there there didn't seem to be a reoccurring bad guy in in Voyager. No, like you said, they were always moving, so they didn't really have one. Maybe from the fourth season on, you could say it was the Borg, maybe. The Borg Queen could be, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that was that was about it, and and I see that time is ticking away here. Uh, just yeah. really, uh, too too quick. They kind of go together back to original Star Trek. You have Charlie X, which is a human child uh, raised by aliens, but he has special powers. Um, and and it isn't that he's necessarily evil. It's just that he can't take a joke or he can't be, um, you know, he he falls he thinks he's fallen in love and when he gets rejected he gets angry of uh when well i say or, or jokes made at him um he makes them disappear or, or or he alters them or you know um so so again it's not necessarily an evil person it's it's <laughs> I don't know social upbringing and and then uh I've I've heard heard theories about this. I don't know if I really agree with it, but in Squ- the Squire of Gothos, uh Trelane, um uh turns out that even though he looks like a male an adult male, he really, you know, at the end of the episode um yeah, his parents are saying <laughs> we told you you're not supposed to play with people that way <laughs> or 
<laughs> I don't remember the wording correct. People have theorized that that maybe Trelane is actually uh, a Q also, but I mean that's what is that? Twenty years before Q was even invented. <laughs> yeah, I so maybe you know what, 20. Leslie? I've I have heard that. Uh, that very same theory floated many, many, many times. And it started right when the, when TNG first aired and we saw Q on Encounter at Farpoint. The first thing everybody said was that Trelane was a, was a baby Q. And, it, it, you know, it's possible. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say, I, I'll never say, no, you're wrong to anybody. I mean, that's that would be like um, I had an English teacher that you know you're supposed to read so many chapters and and then he'd do a test and and he would mark you wrong if if a chapter meant something to you but it it isn't what he wanted it to mean. He would mark you wrong, and that's that's not what books or televisions or any story. A story should be um, mean something to each individual. It touches you in a certain way. So, two different people could watch, watch, read, whatever uh, a story, and get two different meanings out of it and um if if he's a baby q that's that's one of many possibilities yeah absolutely I, i've heard that uh way 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 back in the early 80s late 80s that was a floating around out there so leslie uh wow we're 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 there we're 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 out of time <laughs> Hard to believe. Wow. Yeah. Oh, this this goes by so quickly. Um, I mean, I again, it's it's amazing that a show that only lasted two and a half seasons has has lasted uh, what? Uh, let's see. Now I'm getting lost. Seventy, thirty is is over fifty years. Two and a half seasons has produced. X amount of television series, X amount of movies, because because it inspired. Well, and maybe this goes back to what I just said: is that Gene Roddenberry inspired people to think of humanity, the future, whatever, and 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 people love it. And I mean, they still so, do today. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is is that so? So it's funny where people say I I love Deep Space Nine, but I can't stand Voyager. Or or you know, uh, I mean, what's really sad is that when I read, people can't stand uh, the original series. I mean, if it wasn't for those two and a half seasons, or Lucille Ball or Gene Roddenberry. There'd be no Star Trek. This is true. This is very true. But yep. we have to say goodnight. So um, I want to let everybody know that you can say hello to Leslie 
at the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. So head on over there, drop Leslie a message, say hello. If you have an idea for a show or something you'd like to have us talk about, that's how you can get through to us, the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. Um, also want to let you guys know that I will be on tomorrow uh, with Charles and Eric. I'm doing Comic Corner. We've got some great Star Trek from 7.30 to 8.30 right here, same bat time, same bat channel. So if you'd like to know what's going on in the world of Star Trek in, in the comics, you want to check that out. Thursday night at 7.30 to 9.30, we'll be talking about Terra Firma Part 1. Leslie and I touched on it tonight. And The Mandalorian, um, True Believer, or The Believer. Uh, so you guys want to check that out. So, you know, I'm your host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys listening around the globe. We really appreciate it. We couldn't do the show without you guys. So thank you so much for listening. And, of course, I left the best for last because we couldn't do stunt track with the Leslie Hoffman if we didn't have the Leslie Hoffman. So thank you very much for hanging out with me and the fans tonight and uh, sharing some of your stories with us, Leslie. Thank you very, very much. Oh, I enjoy it. It it brings back wonderful memories. It, It just flies right by, doesn't it? Uh oh! <laughs> the time it just yeah, it just flies. Uh, right, right. I mean it it it. Um, you know, especially with what's going on in the world and the COVID virus and the quarantine, how nice it is to to <laughs> be be pulled out of this reality and be able to talk about something you really love and and not have to worry about that you're going to catch a virus. A virus. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we'll be back. Leslie and myself will be back with you next Sunday. So please, everybody, be good to each other and stay safe. Good night, everybody. Good night, Leslie. Good night, Jim. Bye. And, and hailing frequencies are closed. Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage.